well, healthcare is a human right. Without being healthy, human beings can't be productive. You can't be your best. If we look at what's happening in emerging market where there hasn't been adequate access to healthcare, babies die before they're five, mothers die along with them, maternal child health mortality still exists, whereas in the U.S., that's not a problem. Welcome, Getting There fans. I'm your host, Alejandro Garcia Maya. Over 50% of the world's population does not have access to essential health services. How can we provide and improve healthcare for 3.7 billion people worldwide? On today's show, we have Ting Shi, CEO and co-founder at ClickMedics, the organization providing mobile phone-enabled healthcare services to patients in remote areas. In this episode, Ting and I go over issues facing the 3.7 billion individuals without access to healthcare, and she answers a number of questions such as, why is healthcare an important issue? What are the challenges rural healthcare patients face? How will artificial intelligence affect the future of the healthcare industry? How can ClickMedic's technology improve the health of 1 billion people worldwide? And much more. Join us in our conversation. Let's do this. But is there a lesson you hold dear from parents or closest mentors? I believe in hard work. So growing up in Taiwan, the education system, basically, if you're really good at memorizing everything, you do well. <laughs> so I used that. I did well in high school. I became a valedictorian. Mm. And I went to Carnegie Mellon for computer science, quite competitive to get into. So that got me to the schooling that I needed. But then the rest of it, I would call it karma, karma points. You just have to be a good person. You have to do good for the world and good things will come. <laughs> so before we learn a bit more about click medics, uh, we usually go over a couple problems. Here we go. What amount of people are pushed into extreme poverty because of health expenses? A, 40 million. B, 100 million, C, 80 million, D, 200 million. What amount of people are pushed into extreme poverty because of health expenses? What, what do you think? 100 million? That's correct. According, that's B, 100 million. According to the WHO, World Health Organization, currently 800 million people stand at least 10% of their household expenses for themselves, a sick child, or another family member. For almost 100 million people, these expenses are high enough to push them into extreme poverty, forcing them to survive on just $1.90 or less a day. That is pretty crazy. What percentage of U.S. adults are uninsured? A, 8.5%, B, 13.7%, C, 3.5%, D, 16.6%. I think I'm going to go with the 16-something percent. Yeah. So look, at, and, and these could be, uh, there's various figures on this. According to the Gallup and Vox 
the U.S. adult uninsured rate stood at 13.7% in the fourth quarter of 2018. So depending on the quarter in which you do this study, um, it right. kind of varies. So that was a trick question. We'll go with B, 13.7%. It's the highest level since the first quarter of 2014. Okay, so having, having shared all of that, can you tell us what is Click Medics and what is your mission? So my mission is to improve the health of over a billion people worldwide. And Click Medics is the digital technology to do that. What we know, and it's some of the statistics that you cited earlier, there are simply not enough doctors. And we can't grow more doctors neither. Mm-hmm. What we can do is to empower those such as nurses, health workers, even some patients themselves to become eyes and hands of doctors who can be anywhere in the world so that they can provide their expertise through technology, such as a mobile application, and help instruct the nurses on what to do, what other information to collect in order to manage the patients wherever they are. Before going a bit deeper into the process and learning a little bit more, can you share some background history on like the healthcare space or what's the difference between private health insurance or public health insurance or universal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you know, healthcare is supposed to be accessible. It is a human right, except it is not cheap to hire doctors and to provide care and to buy medications and all of those services cost money. So the ways to pay for those, one is government assistance, which is considered public funding. Mm -hmm. And those are in the U.S. There are some free clinics. There are many hospitals that provide free services as well. Most of them are either state or federal government funded programs. Okay. And then there is private funding, which is private insurance like United, Aetna, Humana, those type of insurance companies whereby you pay a premium and monthly fee and you get certain level of coverage. And the third category is self-pay. You just pay out of pocket for whatever else these other insurance insurers do not cover. Are there places that have universal? Yes, I grew up in one, Taiwan. Mm. Absolutely universal. Citizens pay $30 a month. That's it. Oh my God. You get health insurance. If I broke my arm, I might pay $10 to have it fully fixed, x-rayed, cast it, walk out the hospital within four hours time. That's That's the whole thing. It is absolutely incredible. And it's truly universal healthcare, and everyone has a national ID that links to all of their medical visits anywhere they've gone in the country. What kind of challenges do healthcare patients face? I'd say one is awareness that they need to go get care, hmm. and especially low income population, those that live on wages, if they take time off from work and go for healthcare, then they're losing money both ways, right? They lose money because they have to pay for the healthcare. They lose money because they didn't get paid. And there's also traveling involved usually to see a doctor. Um, The third aspect, which is happening a lot more with chronic diseases happening, is the number of different doctors or specialists that you'd need to visit. 
a top tier cardiologist is going to be in probably a populous urban area like New York, California. Mm. They're not really going to be in Minnesota or, you know, anywhere that's not as urban. So your density of amazing, great doctors are spread out in places where lower income people can't easily access. So that hence the stark contrast and disparity for access to healthcare, even if they are funded publicly or privately. We're, we're talking about healthcare. Why is it such an important issue? Well, healthcare is a human right. Without being healthy, human beings can't be productive. You can't be your best. If we look at what's happening in emerging market where there hasn't been adequate access to healthcare, babies die before they're five. Mothers die along with them. Maternal child health mortality still exists, whereas in the U.S., that's not a problem. There's been a lot of effort in targeting those areas. Maternal child health, huge amounts of money spent, and it's improving. It's working. You know, there's less mortality for that population. So now, you know, the children now grew up past five. They survived, got to adulthood. Well, now there's chronic diseases with the modern lifestyle. So now we're looking at earlier um, onset of things like hypertension, which is becoming increasing problem in sub-Saharan Africa. People die of hypertension in those regions, whereas mm. in the U.S., we have hypertension management programs. You probably die of heart disease, but not actually hypertension. From hypertension, wow. So, so, you know, if you look at the progression of diseases, unless you have good access to healthcare, early prevention and screening, once somebody is sick, the entire family has to spend money to care and get care and the time needed to get healthy before you can be productive and literally be all that you want to be. How is it that Click Medics got started? So we got started while I was a graduate, graduate student at MIT getting my dual grad degrees. And one of the classes that was hosted at the MIT Media Lab was called Development Ventures. And in that class, we just had one assignment that was simply stated as create a business that will impact over a billion people. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Big, huge goal. So important. And it got us to think big, right? We're not trying to cure one disease because that's not a billion people. Mm. And therefore, you're thinking global. You're not thinking U.S. centric. And then you're thinking of where are we? Where's the bottleneck? bottleneck is shortage of doctors. So in order to supplement that, they have to be able to project themselves, expand themselves knowledge-wise to the masses of health workers, nurses that are already in existence, but they don't have the medical knowledge that doctors and specialists have. So that's the gap we decided to to tackle first. What would you say makes ClickMedics unique? You know, what's different from mm-hmm. traditional telehealth or telemedicine? Yeah, yeah. So and, maybe, and, and maybe actually asking that, could you share a little bit like what telemedicine is for those that have never heard that? Yeah. Telemedicine in general is interpreted as a video consultation between a doctor and a patient. Mm. Sometimes it's facilitated by a nurse or a primary care physician. Now, There is a broader scope, which is called telehealth, which is more covering remote management of patients. It could be, you know, uh, 
a heart monitoring attachment that the patient wears. It could be other devices that are monitoring the patient remotely, whereby a doctor is not present. But in general, it means the doctor is not directly, physically in front of the patient to provide care to that person. Okay, perfect. Knowing that, what makes Click Medics unique? So going back to the goal of impacting over a billion people. Now, we knew it had to connect doctors to patients, but what's also more important is when we looked at emerging markets, because, mm-hmm. you know, billing people means not just U.S., we realized that people have access to a mobile phone even sooner than some have access to clean water or even electricity. Hmm. So we realized it had to be on a mobile device. And remember, this was 11 years ago, before the Android, before the iPhone. And wow, this was that's a novel concept. And what we started with is, can we capture enough patient information like symptoms? And we started with dermatology because it was very visual. You could take a picture and we knew the dermatologist in the US or anywhere else could mm. look at the picture and make a pretty accurate diagnosis. So we ended up actually collecting medical information to create a record that a doctor can actually make an almost accurate diagnosis on. So that's completely different than just having a video call where it actually takes up the doctor's time, 15, 20 minutes. But by doing that, a doctor is spending one to three minutes on a diagnosis, which actually increases the number of patients that can be seen by 10, even 50 times, depending on how fast that works. And by doing that, so thinking now we've got machine learning, artificial intelligence, we've collected data, we've collected what the doctor's interpretation of that is. Now we have nearly over a million patients, about 10 million records. We can now automate some of those diagnoses, at least at the triage level, to tell the system, to tell the frontline health worker, this is serious, refer right now, that this person needs to see a doctor. Or... Patient's doing fine. Let's continue monitoring, tell the patient to come back. And meanwhile, maybe just do a checkup visit. How did you get started? Who were the first? Was it with a hospital or, you know, who? there's there's always a first. Yeah. Well, our professor, Alex Pentland at the Media Lab, um, we first started with Cataract. He thought the market was too small. The prevalence for it is too small. And he thought, why not dermatology? His sister worked in dermatology, eventually introduced us to UPenn. UPenn had a tele-dermatology program worldwide, and we started doing pilots in sub-Saharan Africa with UPenn. That's where it got started. Wow. With sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. Can you, can you share a yeah. little bit more about that? Sure. When we first started, um, we worked in Botswana. And there, the HIV rate was about 40% in urban areas back then. And with HIV patients, they are immunocompromised. So without ability to fight viruses and diseases, a lot of the problem shows up on the skin. So they would literally have eruptions on the skin, you know, that that need to be diagnosed. And in Botswana, they did not have dermatologists. They were all imported from UPenn or other um, US Europe-based places for maybe a month's stay there. And therefore, teledermatology became very important and very effective, particularly for that population. And one of our aha moments for us was that we could very effectively spend about three minutes asking patients on what symptoms do they 
do they encounter? Do they have a fever, headache, things like that? Take a picture. What have they tried? What worked? What didn't? And that was enough to make an accurate diagnosis. So I'm picturing a patient speaking with you re- remotely over video, like from their phone, or how does that? How, no, how are you no. With them? The, the patient comes to the hospital. Mm. The nurse sees that they have skin problems. Mm. There's no dermatologist on site. Nurse takes the phone, uses an application, asks the patient, how long have you had this? She types number three. You know, back then it was the Nokia phone, so you had to type numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're still like three for it happened last month. And then a series of questions like that, basically entering the data onto the phone and then take a picture. And then she presses send. Then the doctor sitting in Philadelphia gets, you know, an email message back then. She opens it. She sees all of the information logged onto the secure portal. And then she says, oh, this is, you know, this lesion, KS, probably. It's a common diagnosis for HIV patients. Then the nurse gets a message on her phone that says the doctor has replied. And then she goes to the secure portal as well to see what the doctor's response was and what to apply for treatment. Wow. So while the doctor's in Philadelphia, the nurse is in Botswana with the patient, she could provide just as good of care as if the doctor's right next to her. Wow, that's incredible. And this is already 10 years ago. Can you share an example of now in uh, what new technologies are out there that continue yeah. improving the mm-hmm. the experience for patients? That's a great question. So we start with dermatology. So we say, well, what else can we do? We end up doing, we end up finding out there's no limit to the number of diseases we could do. We did heart disease, diabetes, malaria, tuberculosis, HIV, eye disease, all of that. And where it evolved is we eventually grew our technology platform so we could have modules for how to ask those questions that would mimic as if the medical specialist is there asking the patient those questions. So we ended up with batteries of questionnaires that mimics what a medical specialist would ask and collect those same information in order to develop a diagnosis and automating some of that. Hmm. So now I'd say about 60% of the information we collect get uh, accurate triage for high risk or low risk, and then they get to the next level of care. And a lot of times they don't even need to see the specialist that could be globally located. They could go to a primary care doctor that is much lower cost in their neighborhood that could treat them with some advice from a specialist or the algorithm would tell them. When you when you say 60% accurate triage, is, is that the success rate or, or, no, no. or the error rate? What does the triage, accurate triage mean? So uh, 60% of the people don't need to go and have a video console or see the specialist. They could go to a local facility. That mm. reduces cost significantly. Now, in terms of accuracy, it's more like 80, 90% for triage, which is, wow. is this serious? This is not serious. Do you need to make the travel for three days to get to the hospital wow. or can you go to a local place. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And you could do this in any country and we do this in the US as well. And what about, you mentioned artificial intelligence or even image recognition. 
you know, what, what happens when you have these images, not only the descriptions of symptoms and all these different things that patients have, are there technologies that you put to use that look at those images and try and find patterns or? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So we aggregate, as I mentioned, more than 10 million patient records. So we aggregate in terms of disease patterns, symptoms, medications. We also track down to the level of whether they are taking the medications because we've got partners and health workers who do home visits. So we know what's in their fridge. We know they've taken the medication. We also know from the data fees, do they go get their refill, which tells us if they didn't, then they probably weren't taking their medication. So we have data from all aspects of the patient, from their home, from their clinic visit, sometimes from their work, as we do with work with some workplaces, employer spaces as well. And we work with insurance companies, so we get their claims data. So you put all that together, you actually get an entire 360 view of the patient journey. And with enough of that, you can start predicting this patient we know likes to visit clinics very frequently, doesn't take their medication. They need more counseling type of intervention. Or, you know, this patient never sees a doctor unless it's to the hospital. This patient needs home visit on a more regular basis to do the care at home before hospitalization. How does ClickMedics receive revenue? So we charge health organizations a monthly fee for using the software platform. So it's a, subscri a subscription service. Yeah, it's a software as a service. Yep. Wow. In terms of the individuals in those hospitals that are first in line using your software, how, what type of training is, is there any training involved or do, do they just pick it up and, mm -hmm. and, and it's so intuitive that they don't need anyone? I mean, how, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so because of our history needing to work in emerging market, the digital literacy is not very high. So we had to design our system to be very easy to use. It is very intuitive, just like when you download any app, you'll know how to use it pretty immediately. So our training, it's literally, here's how you log in. Once you log in, tap on the obvious icons like register to patient, um, go through chronic disease management program. So it's, it's um, we call it the one-click user interface. Mm -hmm. It literally is a big, giant icon that describes what they need. What impact has ClickMedics had worldwide? What are some of the things you've been able to accomplish? Yeah, so we've deployed our system in 22 countries with a variety of health organizations, everything from insurers to, I mentioned microfinance, to small clinics, to even health entrepreneurs. So these are entrepreneurs in Uganda that are walking in the village, providing health screening services and referring wow. them to physicians. So it's a quite large range of people that use our system. Um, so far, we have improved the health of over a million people. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you, you asked what a win would be for me. You know, I'd like to solve a few diseases. So That's... diabetes, HIV, tuberculosis. It's all within reach. That's incredible. What, what do you believe healthcare could look like 50 years from now? What are, what are some predictions, knowing that uh, no one really knows? But 
Well, I do think there would be a lot of automation. We were just um, investigating a technology. It's a video technology that could Mm -hmm. detect your heart rate, blood pressure. They think glucose as well, just by having this video. They're analyzing pixel by pixel the image that appears and how it changes, which shows blood flow. Um, There are other technologies with radar that does kind of similar thing to detect you know, micro movements and heartbeat, and therefore you fig- figure out what the blood pressure is, pulse rate, all of those that you need to detect diseases. When a clinician, when, when someone's looking at information, taking information and sending it, that information is received on the other end by a doctor. The doctor reviews the information, ends up answering, you know, how, how long does that process usually take? It depends on the disease. I mean, we're looking at dermatology, it's a minute, very fast. Wow. It's very image, it's very visual. Cardiology or chronic diseases, a lot more because they have to review the lab information. Mm. So literally about a hundred other data set, they have to look at the trend line. So we help them do that by showing them information at their fingertips, showcase the trend line, point out where they should be looking at if there's something abnormal. So that will cut down their time. Sometimes it's hours. Um Cutting it down to minutes is what we're hoping for, for complex diseases. What, what is the biggest lesson this whole entrepreneurial process has taught you? I think it's important that you're passionate so that you don't stop doing what you love to do. But it's really important to figure out how to get paid. How? <laughs> I love it. That is very true. Yeah. I mean, when, when we it's were- the fuel. In, Yes. I mean, we were in grad school. It was like, great. We won the competition. And it's, and then healthcare, finding out how money flows. You know, if you've ever been to any hospital, you get a mysterious bill about a month later. Yeah, <laughs> right? totally. Every country is a little different. Um, so figuring out who pays what, who cares about reducing costs, who cares about... Stressful. It's so stressful because, yeah. you know, there's so many pieces to it. Yeah, yeah. I say experienced entrepreneurs first, they figure out a business model. They test the business model to see Mm -hmm. if it works or not. I mean, in hindsight, yeah, of course, that should be the way. But when you're a very passionate entrepreneur who's just trying to see if I can use my mobile phone to provide care to people, that's honestly not the first thing we were thinking about. (laughs) For individuals listening to this, all of our fans, if they want to learn more, where, where would they go? They can go to our website, clickmedics.com, and I'd say we are adopting and improving our system so fast, we can't put out the news fast enough. So ask for a demo if you're seriously interested in helping more patients and seeing where the future of healthcare goes. Well, that's this week's episode of Getting There. Thank you all for listening to the Getting There podcast. Very much appreciated. Be sure to visit gettingtherepodcast.com to learn about more leaders solving the world's most pressing problems through our videos, games, blogs, and more. If you are or have a friend who's a social impact leader using scalable technology to find sustainable solutions for world-pressing problems, please reach out to my team and I at guest at gettingtherepodcast.com. That is guest at gettingtherepodcast.com. 
Catch a new episode every Tuesday. If you enjoyed the show and want to spread love back to my team and I, please make sure to subscribe and rate us. Have a wonderful day. And as my grandfather would say, adelante y arriba.